Welcome to Exaltation. This is Father David Masterson bringing you the beautiful, the good, and the true through the Voice of Hope radio broadcast. Our scripture is Matthew chapter 15, verses 21 through 28. Let's pray together. O gracious God and Heavenly Father, fill our hearts with the treasure and beauty of an unswerving, persistent faith. Teach us by the sterling example of the Canaanite woman to pursue you wholeheartedly and with true piety seek your mercy. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed that very hour. As a chaplain in the military, I was very familiar with the phrase, adapt and overcome. It is an essential mindset for an effective soldier. To adapt and overcome requires resilience. Resilience is a process of adaptation in the face of obstacles, tragedy, and stress that promotes good emotional and physical readiness. One characteristic of resilience is the ability to take decisive action in a time of crisis. When life tumbles in, what then? Either we roll over and give up, or we rise up and overcome. In our Gospel reading today, the Canaanite woman gets a medal for resilient faith. She is a picture of adapting and overcoming against all odds. Even when the Canaanite woman was mocked and scorned and rejected, she stayed resilient spiritually. Some Bible stories remain unforgettable. They always seem fresh and new, and this is one of them. 
This is the story of the Canaanite woman who wouldn't take no for an answer. Let's look at the story together. What is interesting about this healing is where it occurs. This is the only occasion where Jesus traveled outside of Jewish territory in his ministry. He was in the land of Tyre and Sidon, north of Galilee, where the hated Phoenicians, the enemies of the Jews, lived. We must remember that God had bound himself to Israel by covenant, that he would be their God and they would be his people. Therefore, God had particular responsibility to Israel. So when Jesus began his ministry, he always acknowledged Israel's special status. When Jesus sent out his disciples to minister town by town, he gave them strict instructions not to visit a Gentile town or any town of the Samaritans. Rather, they were to go to the lost sheep of Israel. Why was Israel lost? Most of us are familiar with the story of the Old Testament. The nation of Israel had come under God's judgment. As God's special people, they had not served him as God or followed his ways. They had worshipped other gods, false gods. They had rejected him as the one true and living God, the creator of all. Because of their choices, they suffered horrible consequences as a result. They lost their nation and land and were carried away into captivity. They were now back in Israel, but they were under another ruler and another empire. Israel was also lost because of poor political leadership. The Pharisees and Sadducees were weak and ineffective spiritual guides. King Herod was one of the worst tyrants, using the Romans to gain as much power as he could. No wonder Jesus wept over the city of Jerusalem. No wonder when he saw the crowds, he had compassion upon them. They were like sheep without a shepherd, politically and spiritually lost. So Jesus had come as their Messiah, preaching the good news of the kingdom of God. But Jesus' message came with a warning, didn't it? What would happen to Israel if they rejected God's Messiah? Jesus told them that if they rejected him, he would take his message to the rest of the world. Those who had the blessed privilege of being God's people would lose it. The first would be last, and the last would be first. So this trip up north to a Gentile land has great significance. What is implied and signified by this miracle of a Gentile healing is the foreshadowing of the spread of the gospel to the whole world. Was this miracle the beginning of the end of the geographical barrier to Jesus' message? Could it be that even the bad guys, our enemies, should have the gospel of Christ proclaimed unto them? As the story unfolds, we need to see that what happens between Jesus and the Canaanite woman is a kind of test given simultaneously to the woman and to the disciples. Jesus wants both the woman and his disciples to learn a powerful lesson. 
The first part of the story is the earnest cry of a mother in distress and the answer of silence. The Canaanite woman approaches Jesus with a cry calculated to arouse pity in Jesus. It was the cry of a mother pleading for her child who was desperately oppressed by a demon. This was a terrible calamity. In our modern times, many people no longer believe in the devil and demon possession. But in the first century, exorcisms were quite common. History records other rabbis who were known for casting out demons. The difference between Jesus and the other exorcists was that they relied on certain procedures and incantations and formulas which sometimes worked and sometimes didn't work. Jesus simply commanded the demons to leave and immediately they fled their victims. All they had to hear was the power and authority of the voice of the Son of God and they were immediately banished from his presence. The Canaanite woman cries out in verse 22, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. Notice that the woman calls Jesus Lord, a term she will repeat twice more in this short story. She also calls him Son of David, which is the title of the Messiah. The Canaanite woman acknowledges that Jesus is the Messiah come from God to the earth to save his people. But Jesus' response is astonishing. He doesn't say a word. He gives no reply at all, and the silence is deafening. It's as though Jesus completely ignores the woman in her abject need. This woman's daughter is suffering terribly, but when she appeals to Jesus with humility and reverence, he acts as if he doesn't hear her at all. This isn't like our Lord Jesus. He is the most compassionate Savior, he is kind and generous and loving. He deeply cares for people. She is asking him for what he delights to give. So why the silence? The next movement of the story is the reaction of the disciples to this woman. They respond not with compassion, but with irritation. She is a nuisance. They urge Jesus, send her away, get rid of this woman. Dismiss her by granting her her request, is what they seem to say. They want to get rid of her. The sooner the better. Master, this woman is in our way. Dismiss her and we can get on with our travels. The disciples don't like the noise of a shrieking woman following after them. They think she might call attention to the fact that they were traveling in secret towards Tyre and Sidon to escape the thronging crowds and to escape the criticisms of the Pharisees. The next scene in the story is in verse 24. Jesus seems to be preoccupied with his own vocation and the way that God intends for him to fulfill it. He says, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. We must understand that Jesus was obeying his Father by confining his ministry to the Jewish people only. 
This was a case of concentration of energies and efforts. There must be a geographical and national limit to Jesus' earthly life. He is the Messiah of Israel and the fulfillment of all the Old Testament prophecies to Israel. The confining of his ministry doesn't limit his sympathy or love for others, nor does it mean that he is not Savior of the whole world. He is. But there was a development in the expansion of his kingdom, first to the Jews, then to the Gentiles. Jesus was bound by his father's instructions, and therefore he did not answer the Canaanite woman even a word. Now, on the surface, it seems that Jesus is apparently agreeing with the disciples. He seems to be taking their side. God sent me to Israel, not to the heathen Gentiles. Good call, Jesus, the disciples think. Let's send her away and get on with our travel. Only Jesus doesn't send her away, but watches the disciples to see how they will respond. Will any of his disciples understand that the gospel draws many people from the East and the West? Will any of them understand and say a word on behalf of the woman and her suffering child? No. They all nod their heads in agreement that Jesus hasn't come for people like this woman. But the woman won't go away. In her mind, she can hear her daughter's screams. Maybe it's desperation. Maybe it's trust. Perhaps there was a short pause in their walk, during which time the woman came closer and fell at the feet of Jesus. She demonstrates what Chrysostom calls a beautiful shamelessness. She kneels on the ground, worships Jesus, and utters a wailing plea. Lord, help me! The intenser the feeling, the fewer the words. She simply throws herself at the feet of Jesus and cries out of her agony even as all hope of help fades away. You are listening to Exaltation. I'm Father David Masterson bringing you the beautiful, the good, and the true through the Voice of Hope radio broadcast. Let's continue our lesson. Now the tension in the disciples really starts to build. Their theology tells them that this woman is to be shunned and rejected, and yet they listen to the anguished plea of a heart-sick mother for a suffering child. Something must move within them. How can they be utterly insensible to the deep love of a mother for her own child? This woman's request strikes at their deep assumptions about whom God loves. Could it be that God is greater and his love is stronger than their limited theology? Jesus speaks again. It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. How could our loving Lord Jesus say such a thing? 
How could he remain insensitive to the distress and anguish of this woman? He is calling her a dog. To call a person a dog in Jesus' day was a great insult, filled with contempt. In Jesus' time, dogs were unclean scavengers of the street. They were lean, savage, and diseased. The meaning is clear. Jesus is actually giving voice to the thoughts of the disciples. It is one thing to have contempt for someone behind her back. It is another thing to hear the ugliness of our thoughts and feelings expressed out loud to her face. The Jews, including the disciples, didn't think too kindly of the Canaanites. They were the original inhabitants of Israel, an evil people who did not fear God. But God had given the land of the Canaanites to his people, and so traditionally the Jews hated the Canaanites for being on their land. It was quite unique that Jesus would speak to this woman at all. It just wasn't done. Remember how surprised the disciples were that Jesus spoke to the Samaritan woman at the well in John chapter 4. Speaking to a Canaanite woman was even more unlikely and repugnant. Normally, Jesus would have absolutely nothing to do with a Canaanite. This, beloved, was the test of the disciples. Would any of the disciples speak up on behalf of the Canaanite woman and her daughter? Would even one of them love her with the compassion and mercy of Jesus Christ? No, not today. Perhaps in days to come, the disciples will pass their tests, but not today. The Canaanite woman knew that Jesus was telling her that Jews considered her contemptible. But this didn't stop her. Notice her beautiful and tender response in verse 27. Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. She acknowledged him as the Messiah. She was confident that he alone could help her. She persisted and did not let the obstacles keep her from the goal. The Canaanite woman answered Jesus with cleverness and wit. There is a play on words in this passage between dogs and crumbs. Of the two words Jesus had available to him for dog, he chose the word meaning a little dog, a family pet, to soften what he says to the woman. Her response is amazing. Yes, Lord, she says, calling him Lord for the third time, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. The woman picks up on the diminutive form of the word dogs and uses the same form for the word crumbs. Even the little dogs get the little crumbs that fall from the master's table. Here is a woman who comes back to Jesus with humility, grit, grace, and perseverance. She does not ask for a place at the banquet table of salvation. She doesn't want to take anything away from those who have a prior claim to God's mercies. 
She simply admits that she is but a dog with no claim for God's grace towards her. A little crumb of mercy is all she desires, something surely no one will ever miss. She proclaims, You are still my Lord and Master, Jesus. Go ahead and make it look like you're pushing me away. I will still trust in you. By all means, feed the children of Israel. Give the gospel to them first. But I know that you have just a little crumb left over for even me. Even me, Lord Jesus. The woman just won't give up. Such a faith is entitled to fully share in the loving gifts of the Lord Jesus. He turns to face the woman with a loving gaze in his eyes. The mask is off. For a moment, Jesus had concealed the great goodness and love of his heart. But that moment is quickly past. The test of faith is over. The disciples failed their test. The Canaanite woman passed with flying colors. O woman, says Jesus, great is your faith. Jesus was truly amazed and commends her. Woman, you are the kind of person I am looking for. Jesus had spent over two years ministering among the people of Israel. So many times he found no faith at all. Instead, he discovered faith among the most unlikely people, the Romans, among the Gentiles, among the last people that you would expect. Here, he found great faith in a Canaanite woman, someone who was an enemy of Israel. His apparent indifference to her was his way of drawing out and manifesting her faith in all its beauty. And so her daughter was healed in that very instant. The disciples look on in astonishment. This woman, their enemy, their inferior, has been given one of the greatest commendations ever bestowed by the Master. This pagan woman, who is like a dog in the streets, won the gold medal for great faith. The story of the Canaanite woman is a wonderful lesson for us, for she is a living portrait of true piety. What is piety, you ask? Webster defines piety as veneration of reverence for God and love of his character. Piety is the orientation of the life toward God. The main interest of the pious man or woman is to know and love God. He becomes the driving force of all actions and decisions. Piety is putting faith into action. It is pursuing God and responding to his voice. Piety practices humility, gratitude, and earnestness in seeking God. Finally, piety is an inner resolve to obediently, single-mindedly follow after God. The Canaanite woman beautifully models all these virtues of piety before our eyes. She humbly sought out Jesus and then knelt before him and worshipped him. St. Bernard was once asked, What are the four greatest virtues in all of life? He replied, 
humility, 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 and humility. This woman had humble, persevering, earnest faith. She believed that Jesus Christ was the Messiah of God and that he had the power to heal and bring salvation. She kept on asking Jesus for mercy and would not give up. God delights to see resilient faith, faith that keeps knocking, faith that keeps asking and doesn't quit. A wise man said, The expectancy that hopes great things of God is the passport into his kingdom. Beloved, we need the piety of this first century Canaanite woman today. We need the kind of determination that keeps on believing, keeps on trusting and clinging to Jesus. We need faith in action, a piety that pursues God and responds to his voice. We are blessed beyond measure to know so much more about Jesus Christ than the Canaanite woman did. We have seen the whole story of Jesus, his life, his teaching, his death, his resurrection, his ascension into glory, and the promise of his coming again. We have far more reason to hope and believe than she ever did. Yet how tenaciously strong and resilient was her faith. How deep and devoted was her piety. This is the unparalleled beauty of an unswerving faith. I want to be more like her, don't you? What an example she remains for all time. What a model of devotion and reverence for Jesus. In the end, she overcame every obstacle, remained persistent, demonstrated true piety, and received her reward. Verse 28 says, Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done unto you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. Amen. You've been listening to Exaltation on the Voice of Hope radio broadcast. I'm Father David Masterson with Godet Ministries. You may reach us on the web at godetministries.org. That's G-A-U-D-E-T-E ministries.org. We always appreciate hearing from our listening audience. Share a prayer request and we'll pray for you. Until next time, may God richly bless you with this word of encouragement from the prophet Isaiah. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. 
But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. <laughs>